Uh, well, for those who are joining us for the first time here, my name is Solomon Abaki. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Midtown. And you're very, very much welcome. Um, this afternoon, I want to just wish your neighbor happy 4th July on my behalf. <laughs> I know because most of us won't be able to meet, you know, as, uh, as this number is concerned. Well, from this book of Psalm, the title is, What do you do when you're in the wilderness or desert? And I said, be intentional. Be intentional about what? So we are going to discuss and just see what God actually brings out from this portion of scripture of Psalms chapter 63. So a little bit of what is happening here. David was in a situation here where things were not right in his life. He was heart sick. He was heartbroken in the season that he was in. He's a middle-aged guy in this particular portion of scripture, 62 years of age. His family is imploding. His career is imploding. Everything seemingly going wrong. Things have caved in. In fact, his son Absalom, his own son, flesh and blood, is launching an insurrection, what we call a rebellion against him. And I guess parents who are here, if you might have faced that, it's not easy. <laughs> if your old child, your only child you love is just rebelling against you. I don't know what's wrong with the teenagehood group. Like, you know, people are full of energy. And James at the corner maybe might attest to this. <laughs> uh, as a parent, there's a time that you feel you want to bring out something, but the kid is not getting it, you know. Or maybe I might be that kid who is rebelling or maybe raising an insurrection against my parent as well. And so this is what we see in David's life. And when this is happening, he flees out from the capital of Jerusalem. And he goes into the wilderness, Judea wilderness, which is a desert. Because he can't handle it. His life is in danger. Actually, his own son wants to do him in. And so he doesn't want to face that. But in verse 1, what does David say? He says, oh God, you are my God. In simple terms, he's like, oh God... Thou are my God. He doesn't say, oh God. And sometimes people use the swearing word. Eh? They use, I don't want to say it there, but they say, oh, and then fill in the blank. But David wasn't doing that here. You know, most people will say, where are you? How could you do this to me? You know, you know, I've served you a lot. David would have said that. I've served you in my generation. People know that. And maybe you might be here and say, like, oh, God, why is this happening to me? I'm in this wilderness. I'm in this desert. How could you, you know? Why wouldn't you rescue me? Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you come, I mean, come through for me and deliver me from what I'm facing? And I guess most of us have been in that situation. I remember back over 20 years ago. When I went to the land of India and uh, being there for six years without going back to my family in Kenya. And I was studying and after finishing my studies, I thought like, wow, when I go back, I'll get a good job. Because I'm a firstborn, I'm the eldest among my siblings. We are seven in total. And we were raised in a, the largest slum in Africa. Most people tend to say like, I'm, I'm coming from, they normally say that they come from a humble family. For me... 
and my extended family were coming from a very poor background. You've seen poverty that is not only financially, but also cloth-wise, and not only cloth-wise, but all types of diseases that you can ever imagine of. I experienced them there when I was a child all the way into teenagehood. And so there's this breakthrough that comes out like, oh, finally, my parents could send me abroad, you know, going abroad to study in India. And of course, there was high expectation for me. When you come out from there, you will help educate your siblings. So there was high expectation. But guess what? God had other intentions. Solomon comes back in Kenya. You know, I've come from abroad, man. Uh, I don't have an English, an Indian English. I have a different kind of English. And so all people are looking up to me like, okay, when you get a good job, then it will help us. But guess what? Every door was closed. Not one year, not two years, not three years, not four years. Yes, my son says five. <laughs> He's helping me to preach. <laughs> I like that. Five years. So he knows the story I've shared with him. <laughs> five years. And I was like, God, I've served you. Six years in India. Now five years, I don't have a job. My parents were like, we are also not even seeing you bringing a wife here. I mean, there is no lady in your life. You're getting old <laughs> to marry. That was so much pressure. So financially, I'm unstable. If you say lady-wise or having a wife, I don't have. But, see, but it seems I'm serving God. So they were questioning. But Solomon, you're a servant of God. Why is it that nothing is happening? It seems your peers are settling down. They're marrying left, right, center. They're settling down, having kids. They have got jobs. But you, it's like nothing is moving. And I was looking at David's life. It may not be like mine, but it was feeling the same. Like, but for him, it was coming from a kingly position, whereby he was enjoying authority over the people that God had given him. God had anointed him and positioned him in that place. And now this is being taken out away from him. There was a place for him to complain, but he doesn't say, God, where are you? No. He says, oh God, you are my God. But not, oh God. No, he said like, oh God, you are my God. And what is so unique about this psalm is that it is a prayer without a petition. David is asking nothing. Most of us, we know when we come to God to pray, it's like we ask, God, come through for me. God, see us through. God, I need this. But David is not coming in a place of asking. No. He doesn't say, Lord, I need you just to come and rescue me here. No. I would think he would say, Lord, I'm dying here. It's as if God doesn't know, but he would have said, Lord, I'm dying here. You know, my family is blowing apart. My country is in danger. I'm on the run. Lord, where are you? Help me with this. Can you fix this for me, Lord? Can you just come through for me in this part? And you might be here as well, and you feel the same. Like, God, I'm not hearing you. I'm not getting anything you're doing here. But in this season of heartbreak and homesick, David offers a prayer without petition. And it's an encouragement for you and I. You know, when we go through dry times, when our hearts are heavy, when our souls are hurting, when we feel like, Lord, 
where am I? Even you don't know yourself where you are at. That's where I was. Like, I don't know where I am at. Like, I look people around me and like, am I in a different world other than them? You know, all around me. This psalm will see us through. And it can be able to see you through as well. In those trying, trying, challenging, wilderness, desert kind of situations. And it will lead us to God's reign and reign in our lives. The showers of blessing. The unbounding grace of God. The enabling power of God in our lives. This psalm can be an encouragement, a source of strength to us. Just like it did in David's life. In verse 1, David says... Ali will I seek you. So not only is David saying that you are my God, but he says, because I've acknowledged you as my God, I'm seeking you. I'm not seeking anything, but I'm seeking you. Meaning there was fasting for David was fasting is God, seeking God. He says, my soul is not thirsting for any of this. My soul is not thirsting for a restored family. I know my family is imploding. And anyone will do that, you know. For the family to be restored. But I'm not thirsting for that. Neither am I thirsting for restoration with my son Absalom. Nor even the restoration back to the throne. He's not thirsting for that. He says what I'm really thirsting for when all is said and done. Is not this material or this relation. Or this appreciation or people around me that you've given me. What David was really thirsting for was for God. Because if you have the Lord, you have it all. That's what David knew. When you have God, you have it all. If you don't, it will never be enough. And it reminds me what last Sunday Drew shared. We've been looking on the series of Nehemiah, but this is not a deviation. It's just to build up of what some of the things he mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 9. One of the things he said this, and I want you to just turn to your neighbor. First of all, just turn to your neighbor and tell them, Life is hard. Without God. Yeah, I'm adding that. Without God, life is hard. Number two, you're not important. But God is. But tell him, but God is. <laughs> and then, your life is not about you. It's about God. And then, you are not in control. But God is in control. Yeah, I know, Drew shared that, but they are, that is what I just added on that. Most of us would think, like, I'm, I'm very important. Like, I felt like, God, I'm your servant, you know. You've used me many years. Why are you not showing up? It's as if I'm doing something for God to show up. So I, I'll please you the more, and you need to show up. And it seems like God was taking his sweet time in not showing up. But David knew this, that his real hunger was not for him to be restored back to the throne, neither his family. Because when he has God, all that thing, all those things that he, he desires come into place. Most of us, we deal with the branches of a tree, but not the root. But if we know the source of that tree to be able to grow, we can tap into the main source. And God is the main source that David knew in this place. So David says, I am thirsty, but not for water. Imagine a 62-year-old in a desert. How, who is 62-year-old? Don't raise up your hand. <laughs> Someone who is 62-year-old in a desert, the first thing you'll need a priority is water. But they will say, I don't need water. No. The one thing I need is God. 
That's what I'm thirsting. That's what I'm longing for. Leave alone even being back in my own throne and leading a nation and my family restored. Because I know when I have God, I have it all. If I don't, there's nothing that will satisfy me. John chapter 7, 37 says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come. Jesus invite all of us. It's not just specify that there are specific people who can be able to tap in from him. He says, if anyone thirsts. Because Jesus knew we will be thirsting for different stuff in our lives. And so there's an invitation here that he calls us to. If anyone thirsts, let him come and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow what? What does it say? Rivers of living waters. What does it mean? When I'm longing for God, my heart is just longing for him. Out of my heart, out of my life, it doesn't ooze out murmuring and complaining. It just oozes out. The songs of deliverance, songs of praise unto my God, that's what oozes out because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit inside of me. He fills me. So no more murmuring, no more complaining. I remember when I was staying with my younger brother, because my younger brother was the one now, he also went to India after coming back immediately, he got a job. And I'm still there, don't have a job. <laughs> and then what happened is this. After getting a job, now he stays with me and then begins to pay rent and give me, you know, fare to do whatever I need to do, upkeep. And so I remember... Every time I went out and talked with my friends, they were telling me, Solomon, maybe you're not doing it rightly. That's why you're not able to get a job. Maybe you need to put on, you know, everything, every detail that is needed. You know, you have to up your game. And every single time I came back to the room, I wanted to pour out my complaint to God. Like, you know, God and complain and do all those stuff. But the moment I opened up my mouth, what came out of my mouth was like, thank you, Lord. I couldn't say anything. Thank you, Lord. And when I come out of the house, I was like, what did I just say? Thank you, Lord. But I realized it was God working in my life and just doing stuff in me. For us to experience God's power and glory, as David was saying, I want to see you in your power and your glory. The most place we can experience this is in sanctuary. You know, when we are gathering like this moment, when we are able to hear the voice of God through his word, when we are able yeah, to, to inspire each other. The Bible says singing psalms and making melodies in your heart to the Lord. We are singing psalms to one another. We begin to experience God's glory. And that's where God wants us to be. And that's what David was missing. He was saying, I miss the moment that I was with other saints and could experience God together. You know, most of us, when we're in a dry place or dry season, what we want to do is to run away from the people of God. It's like, Oh, let me isolate myself. And the enemy is good in that. What it does is that he divides and rule. He takes you out and begins to minister to you. Do you know also the, the enemy ministers, but in a negative way. He begins to minister in your mind and thoughts. But David knew 
the place I value most, the place I treasure most is being with the saints. And that can be in like a youth camp. That can be in, you know, a retreat whereby we are gathering around a bonfire and just enjoying the moment together. That can be in small groups where we're encouraging people to just be participant in it. That can be in the small causes that we see when we're, it, it is being announced here in church center up. Those are the places that build us up. When we're, when we're in a desert, those are the places we look, we should long for to go, to hear God's voice, what he has for us. And I encourage us that we should not buy into the lies that have been propagated today where people say, I know the Lord Solomon, whatever you're talking, that book of Psalm, I've read it, you know, 10 times, 20 times. I've been saved for decades now. I don't need to be in church every other week. Once a month is okay for me. I'm, I'm doing good. Some people will say that, you know, I'm doing good. Being once in a month. I don't need to be in church every other week. I don't need to involve that much. I'm just okay. Just being okay. And I know it all. But David says that he longs to be in the sanctuary. Not his palace. Because in the sanctuary there is free offer of mercy. In you. And that's why he says in Psalms 27 verse 4 to 5. One thing I have desired of the Lord. One thing. That will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord, what does it say? All the days of my life. Not one single day, but all the days. Well, you made us Solomon. So do you mean I should just camp here in the sanctuary, Monday to Monday? No. What I'm saying, the Bible tells us we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells in us. When I'm in constant communication or communing with the Lord each and every other day, he speaks to me. He speaks to my heart. When I read his word, when I worship him, this is the sanctuary. We become the sanctuary that inhabits God. He dwells in us. And that's what David said. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. God knows. And David knew this, that trouble is coming. If you're not in it, I promise it will come. So long as we're on this face of the earth. But what keeps us alive is when we desire God the more. When we long for him the more. He hides us in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. You know, the world is going to push you through busy demands. Away from Bible studies. Away from small groups. Away from gathering as we do. Away from the people of God. That's what the world does. By keeping you busy. And so you miss worship services. You miss prayer meetings. And it will be telling you that you don't have time for such stuff. They're not meant for you. Telling you there are other places you can go and enjoy yourself. But David knew, he says, thy loving kindness is better than life. It is the, the best part of life. Which is more than a vacation. Which is more than a hobby which is more than a career. David knew your loving kindness is better, more than anything. And this leads me to the five things I want to share today. What do I do when I'm in a desert? What do I do when I'm in a desert? 
When am I, what do I do when everything is caving in, when my life is imploding and things are not working out? And David realized this. I have to be intentional because in my sinful nature, I wouldn't want to do these things when I'm going through a wilderness. It's very hard. But I have to have an intention. And David says, number one, bring blessing to God. David brought a blessing to God in the time that he was just feeling down and, you know, downcast and his soul troubled and heartbroken. Verse 3 to 5, he says, I will bless you while I live. The dead people don't, uh, don't praise the Lord, definitely. So, so long as I have breath, the book of Psalms 150 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So, so long as I can breathe, it means I'm not dead yet. Yes, I'm going through wilderness, I'm going through desert, but I'm not dead yet. So it means I'm alive and I can bless the Lord at that time. I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with, what does it say? Can we hear that? With? Not murmuring lips. <laughs> Not complaining lips. A guy in a desert having a joyful lips. Yet he needs water, but he says, I will praise you while I live with joyful lips. And you can be intentional in choosing to praise God with joyful lips. Psalms chapter 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord. What? At? Did he say every once a week? No, at all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips. So our, our mouth, our lips are powerful tool. They are weapons. When the enemy brings in thoughts in our minds, we have to address them. In fact, the word praise means acknowledging God's greatness. When I begin to acknowledge the greatness of God, then the circumstance that I face in life or the wilderness that comes on my way, it, it, it kind of begins to fade away because I'm seeing God magnified and exalted in my situation at that moment. And David knew this. He says in Psalms 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. You know, one thing, Psalms of 103, which is my favorite psalm, was written by King Solomon. Yes, it was written. And my name Solomon, if you take like A, letter A to be 1, and letter Z to be 26, if you add all of them, they add up 103. Yes. So maybe you'll take your name and land up in a good psalm. I have no idea. <laughs> you go and do your math. Not right now. Maybe after the service. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 says, Therefore by him, when he takes by him, say, Therefore by Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Still, Talk about the mouth, the lips. Because the enemy, when he attacks us and we are silent, he begins to minister to us. But when he, when he brings a thought and I silence it with my mouth, acknowledging God's goodness, acknowledging God's greatness, 
then the things I face begin to look strangely dim in the eye of his love, of his grace that enables me. And that's what David knew. Number two, what do I do when my life is caving in, when I'm in a desert, in a wilderness? Meditate on God. I meditate on God. Verse six says, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. And we have three night watches. We have from sunset to 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock to 2. And then 2 to sunrise. Most of us, <laughs> when we have sleepless nights, we are tossing to and fro. What do we do? It's like, okay, there's no sleep. Let me go to a, a fridge and grab a snack. Maybe it will, uh, or maybe a coffee or something. <laughs> I think that people can, that can attest to that. I can see Andrew is... Is attesting to that. <laughs> or some people will say, okay, I'm stressed up. Let me just go and switch on the TV and put on a good comedian that I know that can make me, you know, feel good. But not so. David, what he did is this. Meditate on God's word. Am I going to meditate on God's word or am I going to meditate on what is happening in my life currently? Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything what? Praise worthy. Do what? Meditate on these things. And I wrote this. The last thing you take on at night is going to affect your next morning. Do you know why some people when they wake up, they are very moody in the morning. Like, okay, who beat you up in the night? Were you fighting? You know, uh, what happened? But I realize if I'm meditating on God, the goodness of God. Like we are seeing this, your goodness is running after, is running after me. Sometimes I can, sometimes when I'm very tired, what I do, I just put on a song and I sleep. A worship song. So as I wake up in the morning, I'm full of praise. I'm full of just thanksgiving and worshiping God. Or when you take in the word of God, the following morning as you wake up, you're reaching God's word. So the enemy, even if he throws fiery darts in your mind, it doesn't land. It just flies over, but doesn't have time to land. The last thing you put on your mind before going to bed will impact on who you become on emotions. So let's just meditate on God's word. Joshua was encouraging, was being encouraged that, you know, meditate on the word of God day and night, that you may be able to succeed and make yourself prosperous. So when God's word is rich in our hearts, in our mind, it makes us to succeed. Number three, what do I do when life is caving in? I'm in a desert, in a wilderness. Rejoice in God for what he has kept you from. There are so many things God has kept us from. And David knew this. He says, because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. We have been encouraged to rejoice again and again in the Lord. Uh, the shadow of wings has an allusion to the Ark of the Covenant, where the mercy seat was being put, you know. But also in a practical way, it's like, a mother hen who gathers her chicks under her wings to protect them from danger, from predators, or from fire, or whatever things. And that is you and me. 
who have decided to walk with the Lord Jesus, to be in the fold where the Lord covers us. In fact, the book of Psalms 91, I'm not put it down there, but it's, it says from 1 to 6, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. Same David is still writing this. And that's why I realized one thing about him. When God was saying, this is a man after my own heart. Because even though he was faltering and falling down, he kept on running to God. Not running away from God. And that's where we're being called. Not running away from God. When we're facing deserts and wilderness, we keep on running to him. And David knew like, yes, I'm faltering. Seven times a righteous man may fall, but the Lord makes him to stand. He lifts him up. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God in him, I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you shall take refuge. Where do we find refuge? Under the wings of the almighty God. When we decide to abide in him. We find refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. Sometimes, as I said earlier, we feel like we are terrorized at night with depression and stress. But when we make the Lord our God to be our dwelling and we abide in him, he hides us from the terror by night. Know the arrow that flies by day. What I'm saying, arrows, those are thoughts. That flies in by day as we interact with activities in our work areas, in our spheres of influences. Things will crop up and they will be flying in our thoughts. But when I choose to rejoice on what he has already done and who I am being shielded from all that, it helps me, it keeps me alive. If you can't rejoice and be thankful because you don't, have or didn't get the things that you wanted. You can rejoice and be thankful and hilariously happy and glad because you don't have the things you don't want. I'm glad that I don't have the things I didn't want. Sometimes we pray for things and God say, okay. There's a say in Africa, when a baby cries for a razor blade, give them. They will find out. You know what a baby will do with a razor blade? They'll cut themselves and say, oh, this razor blade was not meant for me. But God, because he wants to protect us, he won't give us a razor blade. He's like, no, 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 no. What you're asking will destroy you. I'm keeping you away from it. And sometimes that's what I realize. I remember I, want, I wanted to get married at, at the age of 25 years of age. <laughs> my son, my son is helping me to preach today. I wanted to get to... to get married at 25 years of age because I'd already begun ministry when I was still young and I didn't want to be, you know, swayed here and there by ladies who will see this anointed guy here and like everyone is eyeing for them, for him. <laughs> this place is dangerous for young people. And, and, so, and so I said, God, let me just settle down so that I cannot be swayed. But God realized, no, 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 you're not ready to be a husband. You just wait, wait. And I, yeah, I wait for the right time. And so it took six more years. Six more years. <laughs> yeah, it took six more years. 
when I'd given up, I told God, I want to be a celibate. Right now, I don't think. I'm, I'm tired. No. I'll just settle down. But when God brought the right woman in my life, I realized, it's good to wait on the Lord. He makes all things beautiful in his time. So sometimes we ask for things, but God knows more than we do. He's, not, he's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He knows what he has best for us. And we can wait on him. When we wait on him, we'll never be disappointed. Yours may be only two months. Someone will be ten years. Depending on what God has for you. I can't determine that. It's only God who does. But the beautiful thing, he gives you grace to hold on. He empowers you to walk with him. And David knew this. Number four. What do I do when I'm feeling life? My life is caving in, in a desert, in a wilderness. Determined to follow hard after God. Stick with God. Tell your neighbor, stick with God. People used to tell me, Solomon, even if you're serving God, man, this is, yours is too much. You know, have you, have, have, has ever someone told you, you are too much of just God in you? That's the best place to be. You're just too much of God. Everything is just God. That's a good place to be. Because it means you're sticking with God. You're not sticking with people's ideas. Because people give you so much ideas in your mind. And you miss out on God. David says, my soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. When we talk about soul, we're talking about will, emotions. You know, all my faculties, they are all following hard after God. That's what David says. I'm not going to go off and pout and go to some club and party and waste myself into forgetfulness. Some people, when they feel distressed, they go and waste their lives. But no, so. They will say, no, I don't want to waste my life. No way. And if you're a young person here, don't waste your life. You still have a, a whale ahead of you to live for God and serve God. And even if you are an older person here, there's still a way that you live to serve God. Don't waste it. Fully determined to stick with God. David say, I'm going to follow that after God. This is my intention, Lord, because it's the right thing to do. There's nothing that is right to do, but following hard after God. David says, even if he's running for his life, the nation being partially against him, but he is after God. And a lot of us here today, this afternoon, we need to make a decision that God is not our God when it's convenient or when he fits into our schedule or when it works out or if, he, or if we don't have anything else to do or in any place to go. Some people think like, uh, is there any place that uh, I'm not going? Okay, I will appear in church. You know, uh, Is there anything I'm not doing through, uh, during the week? Uh, then I'll appear for a rooftop because I have nothing to do. But longing for his presence, longing for him. I'm just, you know, determined to stick with God. Following hard after him. All my entire being is just after God. That's what David knew. And this was what he was getting in the desert. We, want to, we need to make God our priority, our first priority. And to start today, we can tell ourselves, I'm going to follow hard after God. Can you tell your neighbor, I'm going. Just boldly, I'm going to follow hard after God. You've just prophesied to your neighbor. 
and someone is accountable from today henceforth they will look up to you like are you really following after god i'm just kidding but it's something you're intending to do to follow hard after god in john chapter 6 verse 68 we see the disciples when you read the whole of chapter 6 jesus was teaching a multitude and the multitude followed him because of the food that he had given them he had already fed 5000 men the bible says men but no when we have women and children there might be even 25000 and so these guys are following him because he has physically fed them but jesus says hard words later on as he teaches them about his flesh and his blood and then one by one they begin to leave so jesus came and asked disciples do you also want to leave <laughs> and the reply Sam, Simon Peter said no where else can we go to you have the words of eternal life and that's what i kept to tell myself lord where else can i run to yeah things are not working in my life right now i don't have a job there's no lady things are like stagnated but where else can i run to i can run to you because you've got the words of eternal life to sustain me to keep you and so peter was just saying like Lord we are cleaving to you we're not leaving you we are sticking with you no matter what and that's what we can say lord i'm cleaving i'm sticking with you no matter what i face in life which leads me to the last point here wait on god tell your neighbor wait on god <laughs> the place of waiting is not easy i'll tell you you don't know your waiting might be different from mine mine was 5 and 6 maybe yours i don't know but wait on god david says but those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth what he normally what he's actually saying here is this we have one number one enemy satan and we know the end of satan is going to the lower parts our enemy is not our neighbor is not our bosses our enemy is neither our landlord or our landlady no or someone who is mugging you every other day that's not your enemy we know we're dealing with number one enemy and david knew that place even though the enemy was using his own family and the people around him he knew he's dealing with number one enemy david says it's all going to end up perfectly and if it's not perfect right now it's not the end yet so if it's not perfect right now for you it's not the end yet it's not you're not going to groan forever it's just for now romans 8:18 8, says for i consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us so wait for god don't try to fix stuff don't try to say if i can only fix this or solve that or bring about the other then we'll have a merry christmas and a happy new year no we won't because we are doing it in our own strength if you do that we will end up being disillusioned and disappointed but just wait for god lord i give it to you that's what david said i'm giving to you and i can encourage you this afternoon lord i give it to you i'm not going to be begging every day petitioning all the time and talking it to it talking the trouble that i go through with my friends most of us we are very good when we are facing brutal moment in our lives i will just rush to james and tell james james you know i'm going through 1 2 3 4 5 6 
But I'm not, God is not my priority. Like, can I first go to God? And then he will tell me, not James. Don't go to James. Maybe go to Nico. Or maybe go to Alex. Because he directs me. I go to him first. I talk with him and then he will be able to direct me. When I try to solve things, it goes from bad to horrible. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, You shall keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Do you want perfect and constant peace? God is calling us, our mind to be stayed on him and him alone. I really do believe that God answers prayers. I know it and I've seen that. You just leave it with the Lord and when people say, but Solomon, you have to do something. That's what they used to tell me. Solomon, you're not doing something. Do something. They won't understand when you say, not really. And they might not get it, but man, you'll be at peace. Just give it to the Lord. Cast your cares upon the Lord and he shall sustain you. The Bible says, he shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. He hears their cry. His eyes is on the righteous. He hears them. Just cast your cares upon him. I want to call the worship team forward as they come forward. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. Now we just rise up on our feet. We can rise up on our feet. Isaiah chapter, 30 verse, uh, chapter 40 verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall do what? Shall renew their strength. That's why there is a good place of waiting. Because we find a renewal happening in our lives. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. That means they will soar above the storms. How do we soar above the storms? When we are waiting on God. And God begin to minister to our lives. They shall run and not be wary. They shall walk and not, not faint. So I pray, even in this month of July, as we begin it, that may you run and not grow weary. May you walk and not faint. May you rise above the storms of life as you wait on the Lord. He is there to strengthen. He is there to hold you. It's there to keep you. I'm going to ask us to simply say this word as we close our eyes all together. We just close our eyes wherever we are. And can we just stretch up our hands to God up? Just stretch our hands to God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, your mercy never fails us. All our days we've been held by your Lord, from the moment that we wake up till the day ends, Lord, we just come to you. Lord, we are going to bless you, Jesus. In our desert, in our wilderness, we are going to bless you. Lord, we will meditate on you. We intend to meditate on you, Lord. To choose to meditate on you. Lord, we choose to rejoice in you, Lord, as you call us to rejoice. That we will stick with you. That we will wait for you. 